0: Welcome to College Soccer
1: Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Matt Mott. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mott.
2: Well, hello. Welcome back, CSN listeners. My name is Matt Mott. Welcome to College Soccer Nation. I'm one of the hosts. We've been gone for a while, but we're back, baby. We're back. So uh, let me bring in Chris Petricelli, our other co-host. Chris, how are you on this fine Monday evening? I'm happy to be back, Matt. It's been a it's been a long time. It seems
1: like we've been we've been gone for a, a long time. It's just been, I guess, three weeks since the last show.
2: Um, yeah, a lot has happened in, in those <laughs> <laughs> in those three weeks. So. I think we owe it to our listeners to tell them what the hell has happened to the show in the last couple of weeks. And um, you know, it's probably surprising to most that this is not our full-time job, right? This is not what we get paid to do, but we certainly love to do it. We, we, we have loyal listeners and uh, we feel bad that we're gone and I'm going to take responsibility for the first week. Right. I, I was, uh, I was in line to get my second vaccination and they had some major issue with the vaccination protocol in our group, and I got backed up and um, I missed the show. So we thought, ah, oh, it's okay. We'll just move it to Wednesday, right? And that's the. So was, the that extent of... was that Monday or was that Wednesday? That was Monday. That oh, was Monday. Okay. So All we're right. like, hey, let's just do it on Wednesday. So yes. then what happened on Wednesday?
1: Well, my whole. You got a couple minutes because it's going to take a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go for right, it. Here we go. My whole um, disaster uh-huh. started on, uh, actually on the Friday before.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: were supposed to open up the season on the Sunday before right. that, that show. On the Friday before, um, we realized that we didn't really have enough players play the game. We had a couple players injured. We had players in concussion protocol and things like that. So we moved the game. Uh, from Friday to Tuesday, right? Right. We we canceled the show on Monday. We said, okay, let's do it on Tuesday. I said, no, we can't do it on Tuesday because I got a game on Tuesday night. Right. We'll do it on Wednesday. Tuesday morning comes around and we have a couple of positive COVID tests. Um, That cancels the game. Yeah. There's no game. We get to Wednesday. We're all ready to do the show and our guests. Um, Eddie Redwansky, who we're going to, we're going to have on here um, was great about saying, I'll do it whenever. And, you know, I can do it. I can do it Wednesday. So we're going to do it Wednesday. And it was maybe about a half an hour before we started taping. And I get a call and we've got another positive Mm -hmm. COVID uh, test. And my team is now in total disarray. And uh, (laughs) the doctors are saying you can't practice. And, you know, it's just kind of a mess. So, Um, I had a bunch of phone calls to make and things like that. So we couldn't get it done on Wednesday. Right. So we said, we'll just do it uh, the following Monday, which would have been a week ago from today. So we were all good, set to go, rescheduled Eddie, ready to go. And on uh, Sunday night, the winter storm hits Dallas. Uh, We end up getting six inches of snow overnight. Um, And about two o'clock that morning, Monday morning, my power goes out. <laughs> so I wake up and it's
2: 50 degrees in my place. And oh, yeah. Power. Um, good sleeping weather, though. Yeah, 50 degrees, <laughs> good sleeping weather. I like it cold. Right, it got really cold, I gotta tell you.
1: <laughs> so, you know, I didn't have power. Brian didn't, Brian didn't have power, so we canceled, right. we canceled the show on Monday. Um, but my week got worse. Yes, it right? did. Because on Tuesday, my pipes froze and I didn't have any water. <laughs> Okay. So I had no, no power, <laughs> like no movie. water. And in fact, on Tuesday morning, um, I guess it was Monday morning. Uh, even I, you know, we got no power. We got no water. We got to get something to eat. We got, I'm like, ah, I need a cup of coffee. So we decide to just take a ride to get something to eat. We can find nothing open. We drive up and down for about an hour. Finally, we found a Denny's. Now I oh, haven't yeah. eaten out. Right since the first of January because I'm staying in for COVID and, and all of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, but I had to do something, right? Sure. So we had brunch at Denny's. Now, when was the last time you had brunch at Denny's, Matt? I it's been years, Chris. Denny's, it's not a Denny's. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, uh, it's not a gourmet meal, Matt. It's, it, it tasted good though. It had to taste good. It's got some good grease, some slop, <laughs> you know. It was throw yeah. it in there, especially uh, when you're hungry. So, that was Monday. On Tuesday, my
1: wife left for New Orleans. She had a trip planned to go to New Orleans. So she's gone. Mm-hmm. It's me and the dog left. Um, and we, you know, we spent Tuesday and Wednesday at a friend's apartment. A friend was, she's, um, wasn't around staying in Fort Worth. So we stayed at, at the apartment. And they had power and water. No water. Uh, but they had <laughs> <power>. <laughs> No water, but we had power. So we were warm,
0: right? Yeah.
2: Yep.
1: Wednesday afternoon, I, I drive over to my place to get some clothes and, you know, to grab uh, some stuff out of the refrigerator and me and the dog are driving back. And we get all of a sudden I see cop cars blocking every intersection and a uh, helicopter hovering over the top. Oh, and as I pull up to the next light, there's a SWAT team there. Wow, they're checking every car coming through. So the guy comes up They're on each side of the car. They say, roll down your back windows. You know, we got to search in your car. I said, I'm going to I'll roll down my back windows. But my dog is not going to like it because my dog is very protective. Mm. So, you know, I roll down the window and he starts to stick his head in and she goes right after him. You know, really? Like, oh, yes. Yeah. So wow. Wow. Like but he was impressed. You know, those guys, uh, they yeah. have those. Pictures. Yeah. They like that stuff. So I have no idea what's going on. All I know is they got all the roads blocked off and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but as he, you know, he finishes up, he says to me, uh, you know, you live around here. I said, yeah, I'm staying just a block away. He goes, stay in your house. Mm. And I go, okay, all right. I get home. I get a text from my daughter who's actually in Antigua on vacation. Oh, God. <laughs> somehow mm. she knows there's an active shooter, a couple of blocks from where I am. Right. So come to find out there's a guy who shot his wife, Mm. Uh, the cops showed up. He shot them.
2: Oh, God. And then he shot himself. Right. Ah. <laughs> so, so he wasn't really active. He, yeah. he shot himself. Well, once he shot <laughs> himself. Promise. He no oh, way. okay. That ended he the accident pretty shooter. active for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eh, we should anyway, make that, was that my probably. Yeah.
1: adventure yeah. uh on on wednesday then we got into the below the sub-zero temperatures on uh, on wednesday finally on on thursday night power came back
2: oh good um
1: f- uh, sometime on friday the water came back uh-huh uh we actually had training on saturday okay saturday, sunday monday so we got back to normal and and Uh, Earlier today, they got water back on campus, which we hadn't had water on campus. They were having to boil everything and all of that. So Mm. we survived the uh, winter storm 75 degrees today um, and back to normal. But um, we had to cancel a couple of shows along the way. Yeah. And and in the end, we survived it.
2: You know, I find interesting in this, Chris, you know, when we were having early, the early shows, right? When we first started this, you know, and I was playing, you weren't playing, Brian wasn't playing, You know, we lost to Mississippi State on a, you know, a Friday night or whatever. I was on the show on Monday. We lose to Auburn, you know, on a last second, double overtime, terrible loss on a Sunday. Well, I'm back on the show. You know, you missed a little water, not having a little heat, maybe an active shooter, and we got to cancel the shows. No, so you're going to compare much. You losing a game to me having a guy
1: shooting over the top of my head and <laughs> you know being in in the cold and and uh, no
2: food or water. What's having so a you're gonna cold? Compare, you're going to compare that to you losing? I think a game. so. So this is this is honest to God's true story. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but we ha- I had a uh, loyal listener, a fan of the show, we'll call him, call me and say, "Hey, uh, Matt, you remember?" Back with the Bulls, remember when the Bulls and Michael Jordan was with the Bulls and like they would have a game, you know, at the at the arena. They had the Nixon and the weather was really bad in Chicago and they like went got the fire department and they got the police department and they escorted Michael Jordan to the arena. They didn't do it for Horace Grant or Scottie Pippen, just Michael Jordan. Remember they did that? He said, that's like you on CSN. You're the Michael Jordan of CSN. So they need to do whatever they need to to get you there. I'm just saying that's what the the fans think. So you're telling me
1: that after you lost a game, right,
2: Uh a game in a year that
1: nobody really cares what happens, right, Um, after you lost a game
2: that you got a police escort. No, no, no. He's saying instead of this making all these excuses, get the police because they got to get Michael Jordan to the show they got to get you know i'm the michael jordan of this show clearly yeah but they didn't know oh that, that, makes, yeah. sense. that
1: makes no sense
2: just telling you what our fans are saying chris yeah a I'm fan sure. reach out and tell me that what can i do oh that's good I, that's good to know
1: that <laughs> the fans are comparing you to michael jordan
2: <laughs> i mean it's not really surprising is it it is surprising yeah but... yeah all right let's get into uh let's see he's been waiting here for a while let's bring on mr 300 that's awesome Yeah, mr. 300 with us right so yes. it's time for a few good minutes with our friend the new name mr. 300 Brian Lee made his uh 300th win last night in our last night yeah and a convincing 8-0 win over Texas Southern and he is off and rolling three and0 I think he is Chris he's uh he's loving life he's the greatest yeah. ever so he's living long and he's it's a big time. deal greatest ever mr. 300 how many names you got Brian welcome oh, to the show
3: congratulations yes, yeah wow congratulations I think to be fair, there's only one person calling me Mister 300. <laughs> and it, I think it's Mister Law. I think there's, there's literally one. both on this show. No, no, <laughs> no. on the script, Chris Brian. There's two me. of us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's only one person entertained by that.
2: His yes. name is Matt. Uh, it's awesome. Congratulations. In all seriousness, that takes well, a thanks. long time when we only play 20 games a year. Yeah. It takes a long time to get yeah. to 300. So it just sure. you know That's shows your topic. age a little bit. Yeah, but, well, fantastic. we're all
3: blessed to start coaching at a young age. It's gonna to be tough that's for right. other people coming through, but you know, there is a lot of us who've been doing this for a long time.
2: Yeah, yeah. what do you got for him, Chris? Well, man,
1: it's been a, it's been a couple of weeks, but Brian, like um, chaos in uh, in college soccer with COVID cancellations, um, all of that kind of stuff that's gone on. Obviously, I've experienced it in my program, but uh, and then the weather also. You know, so all of this stuff has gone on. And I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, like there were important games that were canceled um, specifically like Stanford and Santa Clara. Right. And that's a, that's a great game to get um, a little bit of an idea of how good those teams are, you know, compared to other teams in their league and and things like that. But now, you know, we're not going to have those kind of games with those games canceled. So, Give me your sense of how that's going to affect selection, RPI, all, all this kind of stuff. Um, all of these cancellations and 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 those
2: things. Did we lose Brian, Chris? We lost Brian. We lost <laughs> Matt. What do <are laughs> you think? <laughs> uh, where's Brian? He's frozen. Uh yeah, no, I, I think it is concerning. Um, <laughs> I think it is concerning about how is this going to look when we get down to the end with these teams when there's not a lot of crossover games, right? There's Without crossover games, it gets really, really difficult. Like, we've talked about a bunch on this show, and, and I'm not sure really where the answer is or what the answer is. Um, you know, I, I think that it's a, um, it's a big concern for, for everybody involved. I mean, because... At the end of the day, Chris, there are going to be some really good teams get left out, yeah. plain and simple. Teams that have the ability to go very far in a, in a tournament are going to get left out just based on the committee maybe not knowing enough um, not knowing enough about a specific team because we didn't see them or they didn't get a chance to play or, you know, they took a couple losses, whatever it is, where sometimes you can recover from a loss. This year is going to be very difficult to recover from a bad loss for sure, and yeah. you're going to have to find a way to get good wins. Sure. So it's it's difficult. I think we have him back. We've efforted him. I think he's Zoom back on. Brian, you with us? us? He can't get his Zoom working right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, no. Three weeks off, it's just a clown show. If it wasn't already a clown show, you know, that should be the subtitle, the clown show. And yes. three weeks yeah. off, the Zoom's breaking down, internet connections are going down. It's like our water and power a week yeah. ago or a couple days ago.
1: Hey, you've you've been uh you've been sending us some information on this RPI. Uh, here recently, give us give us some of these examples you're giving us, and talk
3: to us about your your feeling about the RPI at the moment. Well, you know the rumors out of the committee are, you know that it's still going to have some effect, and you're seeing it in basketball. I mean, they're they're referencing the net rating of all the teams and how many quadrant one wins they have as they look at the NCAA basketball bubble. If you're reading up on it, and you know our complaint with soccer has always been. 18 to 20 games is a real problem if it's going to be a mathematical equation that, that helps define who are the best teams, or at least in the eyes of who gets selected to the NCAA tournament, who are the best teams. So now we've taken the 18 to 20, which is too few games. And I think in the NCAA landscape, we have the fewest number of games using some sort of mathematical formula to help select teams. And now we've dropped it down to somewhere between 8 to 15 games, maybe. Uh, And now we're seeing all these cancellations. This seemed like a really good idea. Spring soccer, when we were talking about it in August (laughs) as an option, and in February, even in Houston and Dallas, it's a really bad idea. So we've doubled down on COVID. We're losing these games, so the the sample's getting smaller. But you still have your mock RPI out. And one of my favorite examples is UCLA. So UCLA has beaten BYU, uh, Pepperdine, and San Diego. So all of us would. They're very Very good good teams teams. to run the table on on those three teams. And after two of those wins, they were in the top five in the RPI as it stood. And again, it's a very small sample, but you still have the teams that played in the fall. Mm -hmm. Florida State's eleven and zero. You know, plenty of teams played ten to twelve games in the fall, so there's a little bit in there. UCLA jumps up to number two. Uh, in the RPI. And then they beat San Diego, who we all know that's a good solid program. Somewhere in the top 100. Good year, top 50. Bad year, top 100. And they dropped to 57. So we got a mathematical <laughs> equation that says a team that that can beat those three teams uh, is out of the range for NCAA at-large selection. And we we might feel like it's a small sample size, but Shoot, they're only playing like 12 games. Yeah. So they're a quarter way through. That's 25% of the seasons in the books. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and meanwhile, the other really good example is Florida State ran the table on the ACC 11 and 0, won the tournament, won every regular season game. Uh, and they're somewhere like 10 or 12 in it right now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's always been inexact, but given COVID, given small regular season sample sizes to begin with, given this Arctic freeze that canceled so many games, uh, we're just running a, a total mess. Yeah, Much like this show. podcast.
2: It's a clown yeah. show. Yes. <laughs> uh, dumpster fire could be another phrase for this podcast. Uh, we have a number of them.
1: Well, uh, let me ask you this. There's been this push and, and the big push from the men's side to develop a year-round, they call it the 21st center, uh, century model, a year-round soccer schedule. Is it still
3: alive after the last <laughs> couple of weeks? Does have any change. <laughs> I, I think that the three of us Southerners, let's call ourselves Southerners. Southerners, right? like it. Yeah. Southerners. Southern, you know, being called a Southerner. We like the beach. We like the sun. I'm never going to live above the Mason-Dixon line. I don't know about you guys, but. I'm not down for the cold, and uh, we just spent a week without power and water, much less playing college soccer games. So, I think uh, the 21st century model—if it, it, it was a 60-40 or 40-60 split before we tried to crank this out in February—it's looking a lot more like two to 98% now. I can't. There's no administrator in the country who's going to thumbs yeah. up. Spring soccer and year-round model.
2: Well, and I think the other thing you're seeing, and I don't know about you guys, but we are seeing that you have basketball going on, baseballs going on, softballs going on, tracks going on, volleyballs going on, and these are just the sports that Ole we'll Miss. Uh, yeah. Tennis is are both playing, yeah, golfs awesome. are both playing,
3: yeah.
2: uh, rifle is going on. So the we have every month we have an all staff meeting. Okay, we have an all staff meeting where the AD or there's a speaker or whatever, but everybody in the department's on there it's a zoom or, or we have it in person when there wasn't COVID and our, he said next month and, and every month they have in season sport update. Okay. And he goes, well, it'll be fun next month because every single sport is in season in the spring. <laughs> so where we, we listen, yes, we're except football. We're bumped up to football in the fall. Right. But it's even better up against football than it is in the spring. Sure. for coverage for marketing for fans all of that stuff is better in the fall you can't convince me otherwise at least here um that it's better if we play in the spring history re- and it's, uh, to be honest with that i think the same thing's going to happen with the championship the championship is going to be a bit of an afterthought because there's so many other things going on makes sense um yeah it's it's just not the 21st century model will not get my vote chris i know i'm only one of mm-hmm. Three hundred and thirty-eight, but they are not getting my vote. Yeah. Well, I gotta ask you about your rifle team. Yeah, think that active shooter in my neighborhood was on your <laughs> rifle team. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I had a, I had a conversation today with the guy that's over a rifle, and I said, "So we're 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 like number we're tied for number one in the country at Ole Miss, right?" And I said, "Well, uh, Kentucky, I think Kentucky, wait, wait. West Virginia. How can Army not be like number?" That one? was my whole argument. I said. How are we better than Army? Yeah. You know what he said? That they don't shoot air rifles. They shoot real, real rifles. Oh. <laughs> so I guess, I guess that's, that's maybe was, that's a good one. Yeah. But, but you got to yeah. admit, though, well, shouldn't Army be the best? Shouldn't it they should. be number one? I mean, of all the sports they're in, rifles should be their sport. It should. Anyway. This is not meant to be derogatory
3: toward your rifle team, which is number one in the country. N- number one out of how many?
2: <laughs> I like him. not many. I don't know, but not many. I mean, God
3: bless them. We all
2: want to be yeah, number yeah. one,
3: but the old. Yes, we do. Uh, it's one
2: yep. of the
3: things with college sports; I never really understand. So, if you're number one and there are 32 teams trying, that really equates to like what number is that? in, say basketball; that's got 362 teams trying. Well, how do you figure yeah. it out? They're still number one. Number two, okay. Let's list? say number two. Let's say number two. <laughs> number two is like <laughs> number 72.
2: How about we move trying. on? How about we move on from the rifle discussion? <laughs> all right. <I> Next mean, <laughs> question. Let me Things ask
1: you this. Rise. Let me ask you this. You guys have – how much have you seen? Who have you seen? Teams that you've seen. I know I've watched um, UCLA, uh, BYU, um, USC a little bit. Even, you know, Rutgers had a big win against uh, Penn State the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these teams look
3: pretty good. You know, some, some mm-hmm. of those teams all look pretty good. Um, who Who have you guys seen? Well, you, you give it up to start with to BYU. I think yeah. they've looked great yeah. and they've been losing games. Yeah. And, they're yes. looking, and y- you know, to be fair to them, I thought UCLA has looked excellent so far. You know, they, they've lost several kids to injury, but still, I think they look fantastic for the teams debuting in the spring. But, you know, the interesting one to me is BYU going out there and playing Southern Cal and, and UCLA. And I thought they looked great. And the bottom line of their results aren't weren't there.
2: Well, they lost, lost late on both games, right? did right. they lose late? And it was like 4-3 mm-hmm. at, at a USC. And they played on whatever Thursday and then played USC, right? And I don't think USC, their game got canceled the time before, right? So, yeah, yeah fresh team. It's yeah, no, I, I agree work. with you on BYU. I think they look very good. Um, And, and clearly, uh, USC has a potent, potent, potent attack. Yeah, was
1: um, UCLA. I mean, that front three yeah. from UCLA, are really good, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and USC as well. But – you know, now in LA, they got some front players and yeah. there's some
3: front players out there for sure. So, well, and what do you guys think about the clips or the, the game video of the teams playing indoors? Have you yeah, noticed that? Yeah. It's- <laughs> God.
2: Again, 21st I, century model, <laughs> thumbs down. I, we're,
3: we're uh, I don't remember which Big Ten game it was. Where the the touch line's like two feet from the bubble yeah. that Next they're territory. playing in. How are we, how are these countable games? It, yeah. it's, I mean, we're calling these real games, and they're yeah. indoors with two yards between the touch line and the bubble.
2: Well, uh, think about think about they're playing games in there. They got to be training too. Yeah. They have to be training in there on There's the no turf they're training outside. I mean, no, it's just brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. I'll stick to being a southerner, Brian. You do that.
1: Okay. Well, it, um, I got another topic for you. Yeah, uh, I guess the NCA sent out some bids for some single sites, um, sort of a bubble for uh, the NCA tournament. Um, and it, Matt, can you give me give me a little more give me a little more uh, background on that, if you would?
2: Well. Um... What I'm at liberty to say oh, is that, um, uh, mister, I got to protect that, everything. Uh, you know, I'm so big time, I know more than everybody. am, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of true.
1: Again, Michael it Jordan. Was public, they sent out, they sent out these. So, I was going to talk about you. you. You interrupted me before I could even. Well, say I didn't anything. ask you for something that wasn't pu- public, I asked you for
2: something that they sent out and said, and I'd Hey, I'd be happy know, to this. tell you if you'd let me talk. i well, well, have to throw in the part about me. Anyway? I, <laughs> oh, I just think it's important you Remember, um, okay. So bids are out. Right, they're trying to find sites where, in the first round, there will be six teams to a single site. So there'll be eight sites with six teams. In those in those sites, there'll be a, kind of a bracket of three teams. So, for example, say you're the highest seed, Chris, Brian, and I would play each other. The winner would play you. The winner of that would move on to the round of sixteen. Um, there'd be another group there as well, not connected to us that would play. And again, same situation. So when you come out of that weekend, you would be into the sweet 16 kind of into the third round. (laughs) So there's plenty of talk about, um, you know, could all the 16 teams go to one? What I think you can look at is women's basketball is all hosting in San Antonio, right? Uh, Women's volleyball is the entire tournament's going to Omaha. Uh, obviously men's basketball the entire term going to indianapolis so is there a place where that could happen for women's soccer i think they're trying to at this point just look at all the different options as maybe they do those uh eight or 16 host sites or maybe everybody goes somewhere or maybe just a sweet 16 or whatever so all of that is on the table nothing's been decided um, and they're just trying to kind of work through all of that at the ncaa level interesting
1: does that answer you Yeah, no it's good it's good information i think it's it's good for us to to know that i think a lot of people are asking questions what's the ncaa tournament going to look like and basically the answer right now is no one really knows
2: (laughs) exactly they are gonna it's gonna be a 48 team tournament gonna seed one through 16 yeah and protect those as best they can i think right but i mean you could have like you could have at one site like you could have the number one seed and the number five seed or the number 13 seed and number 14 seed that wouldn't play each other they would be there as, as one of those two teams waiting, you know, and it's, there's going to be, a, there's going to be a huge advantage to be seated certainly in the first two rounds.
3: Matt is, yeah, I don't know if this falls under your uh, top secret information <laughs> that you might know that none of us are allowed to be privy to. The cone of but the, <laughs> it's, a, that, it's just top secret coming out of the NCAA about the women's national tournament. Uh, is there any chance we're gonna do a bubble a la San Antonio or Omaha or is 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 that in, in play can carry the 60-14 bubble?
2: No, there wouldn't be a sixty fourteen, there'd be a, 48 oh, sorry, a forty eight. Team team. Yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, Mr. Three gotta get your numbers right. But um no, yes, forty eighteen But but I do think like, you know, we are all in line with the men this year, remember. So, you know, the final four is with the men. So I think they're looking at it from a men's and women's standpoint too. So there's lots of mm-hmm. Lots of decisions to be made here. And I think that I will say this. I think those decisions are going to be made sooner rather than later. I think uh, the right now, the regional committees are getting ready to be formed and they are formed and starting to meet to come up with regional rankings for the committee. And I think U.S. uh, I can say this United soccer coaches first uh, poll will be out um, next week. So we'll have some of that going. So hopefully trying to get back to some normalcy, throughout the country as, as everybody's kind of up and playing now kind of after this week.
3: Matt is the fearless leader of, of said poll in the fall. You came up with your uh, extremely well-received 15 team poll. <laughs> Can you uh, <laughs> let the listeners know what you decided to do for the spring?
2: Yes, we are going to have a 20 <laughs> uh, top 25 as we do every year, because again, almost everybody's playing. There's regional rankings, one through 10, and then a top 25 there, are are regional, um, regional what's it called? Regional rankings. Uh top ten. You know, Chris is actually a chairman of one of the regions. That's um it. but I believe you're on. I believe you're Ryan, on the committee and for Ryan, that just got nominated to be on the committee. <laughs> oh that's exciting.
3: Me yeah, yeah. uh, and you. The and the teams who played in the fall can be in this poll. As Absolutely. Well. Not
1: in Absolutely. my poll, not in my region.
2: Well, why 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 are you why are you uh why are you uh you know not, don't want us to be in the poll, those of us that play. Put like. us
1: in the poll in the poll. In the poll. <laughs> oh, I want them to. That's should we put you in the poll, piece. you're zero
2: and zero. All right, let's keep moving. <laughs> God almighty. Okay, how about Eddie, this? already's uh, going to be waiting for us.
1: How about this uh, absolutely ridiculous, hypocritical extension of the dead period that comes uh-huh. out, and then the day later the NCAA says, First of all, uh, the NCAA says you can't go recruit and kids can't come visit your campus. Nobody can do anything. There's too much COVID. We can't do anything. And a day later, they come out and they say, we're going to have fans at the uh, NCAA basketball
3: tournament. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is uh, going on here? <laughs> yeah. but well, that, makes, that makes total sense. Clearly, Matt sitting down the end in his chair of a, of a, at a practice of 25 yards from anybody is, is really an issue for COVID transmission. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. It's very dangerous. Yeah. And the bottom line with that, I've got a lot of calls about that one. Well, obviously, we have a lot of upset coaches, and I'm sure there's a lot of upset prospects and prospects' families because they really want to be evaluated. The class of 21, 22, and even now the 23s are falling behind. And our, our coaches' association, along with 10 or more of, of the other smaller sports, Uh, coach associations did put together a joint letter that said um, in support of ending the dead period. And, you know, for lack of a better term on it, fell on deaf ears. I think basketball, football, maybe one or two other quote unquote major sports were very pro extending the dead period.
2: So So, uh, I do have some information from one of our um, loyal listeners that will stay name nameless. Who's um, has a member of his, his, um, school on the committee said football, both basketballs against um, the dead period, against uh, stopping the dead period. So those are pretty powerful sports. And I think they listened and here we are. So it's uh, extremely disappointing. I think for, I agree with you, Brian, listen, I have both my vaccinations for God's sakes. Um, Like, I just feel like it's, it's time for us to get back out in some form or fashion. Um, I think, cause now, Camps in the summer start becoming a question. ID camps. Like, oh, when? When is this going to change? And and I certainly feel terrible for those those kids that don't have a home yet, that don't have a place to play yet. It's uh, it's awful. It's awful. A lot of these.
1: Uh, I'm sure you guys are getting the same thing. A lot of these 2021s, especially who are mm-hmm. still looking for a home. You know, still looking for a home. It's, it's,
2: well, I thought they would be able to get something on April 15th, and now we're yeah. on to June 1st. Yeah, yeah. that's brutal it is
3: okay. And, and don't forget the last little piece is how kids can change in the last six months. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, for the better or worse, it's just going to run amok when we can finally see them again. Coaches are going to go out. They're going to see kids who a year ago, they thought were one level and they're going to see them. What is now? What is it? June 1st. And they're not going to have been be developed into the kid. They thought they were going to, and that's going to create issues as well. So, Everybody's got a know. highlight
2: tape, Chris, right? Everybody's got Everybody's a highlight, a right. highlight tape.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got <laughs> a highlight tape. We've all got a good example of that one. Yes. Being we do. duped on the highlight tape. So yep. uh, I'm excited. You, you bringing Eddie on? Yes. Right? I Eddie Eddie's on. coming up. All right. I, my quick two cents on Eddie is I cannot wait to hear his story. It's probably the most unique of any college Division one high profile coach in the country. But Back in the day, uh, I was at Furman, and I was recruiting heavily out of North Carolina and the Greensboro Twisters because I rated their club director very, very highly. <laughs> and I, I really thought it was one of a few guys in the country, you know, Eddie, Brian Moore, Derek Leader, where you knew you were going to get a, a really good, well-educated player. And I'm like, hey, this is the greatest. You know, a lot of schools recruiting out of Raleigh, big club there. I'm just going to Eddie. Eddie, who you got? Eddie said he liked me. I liked him. He's sending me some really good players. Next thing you know, he's taking a college job in my conference. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I lose my feeder program, and then I got yeah. a good coach coming in the league. So I'm happy for him, though, it, it, that it's gone so well. He deserves it. Hardest worker in America. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. All, All right, right Brian, fun.
2: Mr. 300. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>
3: Uh, I, I, I do again. not want that one to stick, Matt. <laughs> I, I, I
2: don't. But like it her. definitely is. <laughs> well, hey, I, hey, after your next game, you'll be Mr. 301. That's right. <laughs> oh. Hey, let's hold fingers Hopefully. crossed. Yeah, yeah.
3: it's not really the way it
2: works. All right. Yes. See you guys. All right, Brian. All right, thanks. Bro. Okay, well, it's taken us three weeks. But finally, Chris, we get to bring in our good friend, Eddie Radwanski, Rod- um, the head coach of the Clemson Tigers. Certainly excited, Eddie, finally to get you on the show. How are you on this fine Monday evening?
0: Good to see you, Matt. Good to be with you guys and to be on the Above Average podcast. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> that's us. <laughs> that is us. That is us. Well, listen,
2: um, as we always do with all of our guests, again, of course, welcome to CSN, we want to give you uh, a few minutes and just talk us through your path. You've got a, a really great path, but your path from kind of getting into this coaching stuff and, and kind of where you are now at Clemson.
0: Well, sure. Well, first off, I wanted to at least send my best to uh, all the people in the Metroplex in Texas that have suffered with uh, the weather this week. Now I still got a lot of friends there, uh, a lot of sidekick fans. um, So I hope everyone's doing well. And I want to pass on my congratulations and best to Brian Lee on his 300th win. That's pretty awesome. Brian and I go way back, you know, God, if you didn't know anything better, you would think this is a, this is a region three ODP meeting of some sort. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But, uh, uh, you know, I'll talk really more about my my kind of my coaching path as opposed to my playing path because I don't want to sure. take up too much time. But um, you know, one thing that was really funny, Matt, is if somebody asked me when's the first time you really thought about coaching because Chris could could verify you, I was very focused on playing and getting to the professional level and doing all that. But um, I knew I loved the game. I had a great passion for it, and as I got older, you know, ironically, Chris would remember this. I mean, I think it was 1995 when he was coaching Notre Dame and he came into North Carolina and they were hosting the final four. And he had, he had to play North Carolina in the semifinals. Actually Allen was there Kirkup with SMU. I I forget. Oh, they were playing Portland. And uh, so I, I stayed there for the whole week. So I watched my old college teammate win his first national championship. And I just thought, man, that was so cool. I was excited for him. And I, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Coaching that could be good to do afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? So, when I finished up my coaching career, uh, uh, I'm sorry, my uh, getting to the end of my playing career, I was I picked up a uh, a club team in the Greensboro area because I was playing for the Dynamo at that time, and uh, the club was called the Greensboro Twisters, it was a very good, uh, one of the top eight mm-hmm. clubs in the country, and man, I just had so much fun coaching the girls and learning, you know, and all these guys are telling you like, don't coach the girls. They're going to cry. They're doing this and doing that. I absolutely fell in love because unlike us guys that we are a Royal pain in the, you know, what, that I found that in a women's game that if you had trust and you earned that loyalty, like they will listen to you. And I just, there was a part of me that just thought, you know what I could, I make, could I just make a small contribution to this side of the game? And, uh, just kind of took a leap of faith from there, and, and it was it was ironic because at the time I had an opportunity to go into the MLS potentially as an assistant, and uh, I tell this story to a few people. Like honestly, I just got on my knees and said a quiet prayer for to for the right door to open, and fortunately at that time it did open thanks to a guy named the name of Nelson Bob who gave me the opportunity to coach my alma mater at UNCG. And I was there for an incredible 10 years as a coach. It was a ton of fun. Um, We had a lot of success. Um, To be honest with you, I was just trying to do something near what Mike Berticelli did to Chris and I and all our guys. We just had the most incredible college experience. And I thought, if I could just do 50% of the job that Bert did, my kids will have an incredible experience. And then after 10 years there, the opportunity presented itself at Clemson. And it was a really hard decision, as Chris can tell you. You know, my heart and soul is in Greensboro and UNCG. My DNA is all over that campus. And to be honest with you, I thought I was going to die there. But, uh, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And this door has just happened to open and present itself. And it's really has been a fantastic move because I've met so many wonderful people. And I felt like I've grown in a lot of different capacities and and even taken a risk. You know, (laughs) I told Chris this story, like when I first got the job, Becky Burley asked me, like, uh, Eddie, who's going to start sucking in the ACC right now? (laughs) Uh, uh, But, Matt, I've just enjoyed it. The game has been a big part of my life, and I look at it as an opportunity to give back. And, uh, honestly, you know, Chris knows how competitive I am. I want to win in everything. Mm -hmm. But I tell you what, to build the relationships and to help people – get ready for whatever that next phase of life is going to be. That is so rewarding. I can't imagine how Bert must've felt back in the day.
1: That's great. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie, first, let me thank you for uh, being patient with us. I know we canceled (laughs) on you a couple of times and I appreciate you, you know, being patient because it's been kind of a a hectic couple of weeks. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about um, your, your time way back when in growing up in, in Jersey and the Jersey shore. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, which was a real soccer hotbed at the time, you know, I, I think, you you know, we're both sort of part of the same generation. They, these days, they call us the Cosmos kids, you know, because of the, the uh, impact that the NASL and the Cosmos had on us, but talk to us a little bit about, you know, the, the experience of growing up in, in that kind of environment and, and becoming a player in that kind of environment.
0: Well, Chris, you were spot on. I, I am proud to say that I am a Cosmo kid, as, as, as a bunch of us are. And um, they were such a great, great role models for us. And as much fun as it was watching them play. And a lot of people don't, don't recall, Chris, that back in the day, the Cosmos, especially when they signed Pelé, they signed that 10-year contract with WORTV, Channel 9. So every away game was televised. I don't think I missed a game. Yeah. And I look back on it and I'm like, you know, here, I don't know, what was I, young teenager? I'm watching Johan Nieskins, Bogey, Canalia, Pele, Beckenbauer. Ken, I mean, you know, Chico Borja, Ricky Davis, these, these were great players. Sure. And I used to see stuff and you, you just go back home and you try it. Something that was really weird was um, we, my, my brother and a couple of my friends from the neighborhood, that ended up playing in high school, like we would go to the bus stop 30 minutes early, drop our bags in the road and play three V three. And I, you know, up, up North in Kearney, you know, they were playing on the, you know, the courts. Sure. We were just doing it differently. So our pickup game was, you know, we were in the street playing. It was just, and I was lucky to be a part of a community at Neptune where the soccer community was embraced. We had a, an incredible coach, at the high school level who was very dynamic and, and had great marketing skills. He's the one that first started Friday night soccer at the shore. So you, you, you could go to a Neptune, you know, Nep- and, and, and Matt our high school games, we've get anywhere from four to 5,000 fans at the game. Uh-huh. You know, when I, when I got to Texas, um, God, who's the cowboy announcer guys at Dick Hansen, I forget his name. Bale Anson. Yeah, yeah, nice guy. And I, he and I were talking and I was asking, like, I like, dude, what are you doing at a high school game on Friday night? And he, he goes, well, what goes on in Jersey on Friday night? I said, I said, Friday night soccer. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, to grow up in that environment, it, you know, you dreamt of it. I was a ball boy for the varsity anytime that I could get in because it got me in free. Um a lot of people may not know. Um you know, you know, Trevor Dare unfortunately passed away recently. But Trevor was on that Orangefield school schoolboy team with Alan Dawson, and um, got the the head coach's name is slipping me. The old Penn State guy, Rick Re- Barry um, Gorman. Yeah, they, they they came over and spent a month in the states, and they stayed in our town. All the community people hosted them. So that was really, and, and those guys came in and played a brand of soccer. They were going over down to Tom's River, Jackson. Brick wall, and they were just kicking everybody's butt. They even kicked Neptune's butt, and uh, that was inspiring to me. That's where Alan Dawson and I be, first became friends. So I don't know how or why the Good Lord dropped me in a certain spot, but He dropped me in a great place where there was just incredible soccer going on, and and some really great players down at the shore. You know, Tommy Kane, Tommy Riley. You know, Wall won like three straight group yeah. three state championships yeah. and St. Rose was good with Kenny yeah. Lola, Toms River North, Tom's. I mean, everywhere you looked, there was great soccer team. So we were fortunate that all these teams that were competitive at the state level, you know, that was really back in the day, that was the strongest part. It wasn't club soccer at that time. Right.
2: Hmm. Right. It's interesting. So, Eddie, as we switch gears now into college, right? Couple national championship runs. A UNCG. I heard your captain was a real ass. That's one of the things that I was made aware of in a couple of those runs. But Okay, now Rochester.
1: hold on. Now. We're going to talk about the college years, Eddie. There's some things that are off limits here, okay? it
0: <laughs> There will the be no comments show. regarding Hinshaw. Okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, so
2: anyway, talk us a little bit about what that experience was like winning a, winning a uh, couple of those national championships.
0: To be honest with you, Matt, it was probably some of the funnest uh Moments that I had in my lifetime. And uh, I just look back on it, how fortunate we were to come together, how Bert brought us all together. And Matt, he was just not he was an incredible teacher. He made us better, but he made it fun. Mm -hmm. He challenged us. I mean, think about this. We were a Division three team. What is a Division three team playing the number one team in Division one? And, and he's telling us that we're going to win. I remember this game. Chris, we remember it as well because we lost both our goalkeepers. So we threw this guy from my school, my high school who was with us, Mike Dugan, who had only played goalkeeper in the backyard of Vinnie Campanelli's yard. And he's in goal in this game. <laughs> and we fall behind. We're down one nothing at halftime. So I'm sitting there, and Bert walks up at, at, the, at the half, and he goes, all right, guys, we're going to win. We're going to win. And I'm sitting there looking at the guy like, man, what are you smoking? We're we're getting killed out here. And, And then he, he just makes a sub. He puts this guy, Dave Raffo on who was a transfer from Indiana and in the span of like 20 minutes, rafo scores these two incredible goals. And the next thing you know, we're up two to one with like, I don't know, what was it, Rick, 20 minutes ago? Yeah,
1: somehow we were up, yeah.
0: And, you know, we're hanging on. Dugan's making these flying, tipping saves. The ball's going up. And this is on parent day at Duke. <laughs> we were supposed to be the appetizer. So yeah. on that particular day, this small Division Three team that nobody ever heard about beat the number one team in Division One. And I always say that was kind of the – the sonic boom, that was the birth of UNCG soccer.
2: Absolutely. And,
0: and, and Bert, if he did anything to us, he just confirmed and reinforced our belief. Because everything that we did, we went to win. We went into a Division One indoor tournament because back in the day, you used to play there wasn't, I don't know, were, were there any rules that tell you how many games no. you can play? Really? Well, if
1: there were rules, we weren't following them, that's exactly. for sure.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, every, you know, we used to, nope, no, most people don't realize, we used to play, I played four years of an indoor tournament on Cameron Indoor Stadium.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, wow. That was great. We like, it? You got in there, like, heck yeah. 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 And then the the WRAL Classic that NC State started, which, which was on, I mean, cool. that thing was big time. And we, we got invited because one team got snowed out. And mm, then we step in and we end up winning the whole thing. Won, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, I mean, cool. what what Bert did, it was just. I mean, even in my coaching to today, I always think about what would Burt do, how would he do it. Um, yeah, I was I was really blessed, Matt, to have an incredible experience and to win. You know, to win national championships, mean you you can't take that stuff for granted. And and I know you joked about Chris being a captain, but I tell you what. Yeah if we didn't have Rico as a captain, we would not have won any of our national championships. And I still learned, I learned a valuable lesson during my years at UNCG was that the total makeup of the team about how everybody makes a contribution and you know, how Chris, I mean, I look back at our crew and we were a really interesting group of guys, but (laughs) he was kind of the glue that kept a lot of it together. Mm. And, uh, You'd need people like that. And I tell you what, this again, it's still some of the fondest memories that I have is being with those guys.
2: It's awesome. Although I think for CSN, he's kind of like the sledgehammer that breaks us all apart. But <laughs> and he might have been the glue back then. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Anyway. All well, right, those uh
1: those teams um certainly were were fun, but immensely talented and and you know, Eddie has the most decorated career of, of any of the players that, you know, that were involved. And um, I want to ask a little bit about Eddie, about um, when you, when you finished playing at UNCG and now, you know, you want to be a professional soccer player, it was not a great environment for professional soccer players at that time. Right. I mean, the, the league had folded and there wasn't much going on. So take us through a little bit about your, you know, your, your professional career and all the different stops and things like that.
0: Yeah. Good, great question. Um, so when I came out, you know, they were still doing the senior bowl back in the day and uh, I became like Chico Borja. I was think I was the second division three player to be asked to play in the event. And here I am, I'm thinking about it as a, Hey, this is an opportunity for me to be in front of the national team coach. Cause that was one of my dreams and things I was driving for um, and uh, had a phenomenal game had a great time. Jay Miller was our coach, scored a goal, had an assist, got named the MVP and then got invited in to the national team for my first cap against Switzerland. Uh, Alcus Panagoulis was the coach at the time. And um, and I had no idea what was going to go on with the draft. I was hoping I was going to get picked. I was going to get selected because I didn't know. I just was, I was a division three player. I didn't know if anybody knew, knew who I was. Um, but my dream was to play professional and uh, I was fortunate enough because I was the first pick overall in the MISL draft. And I, you know, the, the Jersey in me was thinking like, Oh my goodness, if the NSL was around, I would have been the first pick. You know, <laughs> and I wanted to go play for either the Cosmos or Tampa Bay. Yeah. But to be honest with you, I was so excited to sign a contract to become a professional athlete. And the one thing, you know, I, I have no regrets. But the one thing I wish, I wish the pathway or the door to Europe was opened because it wasn't open back, back in the day. Um, I would have jumped through it easily uh, without, without hesitation. But I tell you what, Matt, to those couple first several years of playing in Dallas and playing with the sidekicks were, were, were a blast. We had incredible fans, you know, obviously I was the first pick in the draft. So what did that mean? The worst team in the league got to select me. And uh, I still remember Su- Susie Woodhams from the Dallas Morning News asking me this question like, all right, Eddie, here you are, the number one pick, you're on the national team. You know, What are you going to bring to this Dallas sidekick team? And I said, well, I can tell you this. I'll give you everything I got. I'm only here to do one thing. I want to win. I want to win a championship. You know, Chris will tell you that. Anything I want to play, I want to win. I don't care if I get All-American or anything. I just wanted to win. And the fashion and the manner that we did with that 1987 Dallas sidekick team I think it's it's still people still talk about it in Dallas to this day it was just an incredible Cinderella story seven game series coming back from two goals down I mean two minutes 48 seconds ago you know the you know back in the day you know in the MISL if you were down you pulled your keeper Mm. Uh, not proud to say we were the worst team in the league at doing it (laughs) <laughs> and here we are in Game Seven. There's 2:48 to go. We're up in you know the Tacoma Dome. There's 24,000 fans getting ready to celebrate. I remember walking on the bench, looking at Billy Phillips, going like, "And this isn't right. Like we're supposed to win this game." And then 25 seconds later, we tie it. And then Mark Carpen scored the the game winning goal in overtime. And um, I tell you what was you know that that was a great moment, the best moment. We flew back to DFW the next day. There were. 3000 people in the terminal. Awesome. Waiting for mm. us. Like it was yeah. hard to breathe. Yeah, it's awesome. It is. So Eddie, let's you touch on it just a little bit but
2: talk to us what it was like. Obviously we're, you know, in 2021, we see everything the national team players do. We see everything that's going on with the national team. They don't they don't do anything without us knowing exactly what's going on, but back then obviously much different. So what was it like to be a U.S. men's national team player back back in those days when you played, and I'm not trying to date you too much. You're certainly not as old as Chris, but you know, been playing back then. <laughs> it's not, you're right. It's not a year. You're right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess people call that the dark ages. You know, we uh, it, the, the the disbandment uh, of the NASL left the indoor game, the MISL, as the only professional league, and that really hurt the outdoor game. You know, Mm -hmm. I was part of that World Cup team that was trying to qualify for the 86 World Cup in Mexico. And uh, I actually played in the game down in Costa Rica. We ended up tying, which was a great, valuable point down there. We came back to Torrance, California, and I think we just had a knock. All we had to do was tie or win against Costa Rica to to advance. And uh, unfortunately, we lost that game 1-0. Boy, I was like... Mm -hmm. a a kick in the stomach Mm -hmm. um so the 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 men's national team at that time matt was kind of in bits and pieces like we played england that year uh in la um you know switzerland it it was just they were just filling in stuff because they had they i think they were anticipating trying to qualify for the world cup but honestly if there was a low point it was right after that time frame Mm. and um which kind of worked against me because then my first couple of years as a pro, there really wasn't an awful lot going on. No, you know, very few friendlies to get called Mm -hmm. into. Um, And actually, you know, when Bob Gansler got a little bit more involved and got the job, he really made a great decision, even though he, he ticked a lot of people off moving towards 1990 because, you know, there was a lot of good players that should have been on the national team and I'm not even saying it should have been me, but players like Chico Boja, Ricky Davis. I mean, these guys were fabulous players, but Gans went, you know, he went with the young guys and you'd have to, you know, and I recognize like it was a great move because that was the group that became the nucleus for 1994 and beyond. Mm -hmm. And that's when the program really started to move on. But uh, I got to play in the world university games in Japan. So I got to spend a month over there. That was fabulous. You know, Matt, I got to travel the world a little bit, and trust me, Rick knows where I grew up. Like, we're not very—you know, there wasn't a lot of money going around. You know, you're lucky if you can go out of state. So, I was pretty blessed because that little soccer ball and that jersey—having, I mean, having the honor of wearing the U.S. jersey—I mean, that was one. That's one of the greatest things that I think anybody can do, and I was proud to do it. You know, wish we could have done a little bit better, Um, but I'm—you know what? I'm still a, a, a huge fan root for us. Every time we play our men and our women, um, you know, I was in one, you know, back in the sports festival days, I remember being at a festival in Houston and actually it was at uh, rice university. And, you know, Michelle Akers is there, Mia Hamm, you know, Fawcett, Julie Fowdy, Brandy Chastain. I mean, this is the original crew that got going. And, uh, yeah. you know, when Karen Kabara got back from the 1991 world cup, the next day we went out and played golf. And I must've bugged her. Cause the first nine holes, I was like, you won the world cup. You won the world cup. Look how, you won the world cup and play <laughs> and play gave you the player of the tournament. What did he say? What do you I mean, I was like, this is history. Yeah. And yeah, I was, Nate. I was lucky to be involved with it during that time and uh, always feel connected. Absolutely. Awesome. What about, uh,
1: you know, now you talk a little bit about your transition into coaching, but what's it like, uh, you know, you, you talked about how, how close you are to Greensboro and UNCG. Like, what was it like coaching at your alma mater? Because not everybody gets a chance to do that.
0: Yeah, wow. That, that was special. That, that really was. I mean, you know, Chris, I mean, everywhere I went, I knew everybody. Yeah. And uh, I knew every step. People still make fun of me because I still go to my favorite deli, even when I drive up there. Um, it was like home and uh and nelson allowed me the luxury of painting the picture that i had talked to him about about building a program and um and it's kind of funny because really in the first couple years i wasn't really i didn't really know exactly what i was doing but i was like i'll figure it out as i go can i get my thoughts into words and my words into actions um but i love the recruiting part of it i love the opportunity to build a program you know, it was great to make my alma mater uh, from a record perspective better. You know, I didn't realize this till I got to Clemson. So when I left after 10 years at UNCG, I didn't realize that our teams had won 11 championships in 10 years. And, and playing against good teams, you know, Brian Lee's Furman Group and now Andrew mm-hmm. Burr and uh, Todd at uh, at Stanford. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't easy. Um God, it was, I think, uh, Rick, when I, uh, I was a good recruiter at UNCG because I was so enthusiastic about our experience. Yeah, Yeah. UNCG is special, especially the people. And, um, you know, they impact your life in a good way. And uh, I I think I was trying to convey that message to as many people as I could. And uh, so I guess that was an easy story for me to do. And I just felt at home there. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the best thing I ever did through. was show up to Greensboro.
1: Yeah, I'm sure your passion came through in recruiting, you know, your passion yeah. for it. I'm sure it made a difference.
2: So so my next question, Eddie, you kind of touched on a little bit, but, you know, now we transition to Clemson, right? And were the battles with Brian at Furman and Todd at Stanford, did that really prepare you for Anson at Carolina <laughs> and Mark at Florida State at Clemson? And Those, those two tactician masterminds really kind of – Got you ready to go against, uh, against, uh, Anson and, and Mark and Steve Swanson and all the other great coaches in the ACC. To be honest with you. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you don't have uh, to say that because it's because Brian's on here. You don't have to say that. I <laughs> just get it.
0: No, it's, it, you know, you get it. You know, you, know how it is sometimes on your path, wherever it is, you are, you run into some very good coaches. You run into very good competitors. Um, There's always a team in the conference that seems to give you a a difficult time. And it was a great challenge to get better um, because it was, you know, the same process happens when you jump to the ACC, like, okay, you're playing a team that's really good. So how are you going to slow them down? What are you going to do to affect them? You know, it's the same process. I mean, what I was fortunate, my first year as a coach, Brian, we remember this, they hosted the SoCon championships that year. And Brian had, he had the best team there. They, they were really good. Um, and we were fortunate enough to nick them in the semifinal. But, you know, that was kind of the beginning of me of like, okay, you're playing against a team that maybe on paper has got the, the edge on you, but how can you find a way to win? And that was kind of my introduction to doing it because I knew Brian had a heck of a team and um, that was a great experience for me to help to get me prepared when I did when I did step into this league.
1: You know, um, I see the you, you talked earlier about the competitiveness and wanting to win and all of that. And um, I got to say that Eddie's the most competitive guy I've ever met. I, I, mean, I have no problem saying that. And and it comes and it's not I, I obviously very competitive on the soccer field. And but it's it's watching him. And all the other things, like, you know, back when we were playing backgammon, you know, and, <laughs> and golf and, you know, whatever it was. Uh, and, and here's the thing, like, he was always good at all this stuff, too. That was the thing that really kind of pissed you off, like, because he was always good at all this stuff, you know. And he didn't have any problem telling you he was good at it either. Like, <laughs> I could talk, right? That's a Jersey thing. <laughs> but really, I, I'm telling you, it's one of the, one of the reasons why he's done so well uh in coaching is that competitiveness comes through and affects his team i'm sure and and the teams become competitive and and when you you know when you have that spirit within your team and those ideas within your team you know maybe you you win some games along the way you know that maybe you shouldn't and i think you've you know you've proven that along the way like that that competitiveness uh has has certainly impacted your team and um how how do you get that through to your team
0: Uh, I think you just have to, it it's by example. Uh, sometimes you want to make sure they get it more. I mean, Chris is right. If I, I always joke, like uh, in coaching, what's the one thing you wish you could do It's like, I wish I could sub myself into the game. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't ever wish that, (laughs) but, uh, you know, that, you know, in the women's game, it's, it's a different animal, which was great because I loved that challenge of, okay, now how do I pass on this passion? How do we create this? You know, one of the, a good story I could share with you from Clemson was when I first got here, people asked me, All right, what are you going to try to do? And one of the first things I said was, well, we're going to win an ACC championship. Now, most of you would know at the time we were in the bottom of the bucket here in the ACC. we weren't, The team had gone, I don't know, three, four years without, without a conference win, but the point is, if you're going to do something, you have to see it, think it, and believe it. And one of the best things that happened to me was when I went to UNCG because I had a coach who, as I thought and dreamt, as big as I did. And I always carry that with me. So he, during the early days of, of of Clemson, I had in 2015, I had planted the seed with my group. And this is when I had Kalen Sheridan, Claire Wagner, Claire, um, you know, Katrina Atonda. And I say, hey, listen, we're winning an ACC championship. We got two seasons left. We got four opportunities to win something. You know, so I give my little spiel. This is going into their junior year. That was kind of my main recruiting class. And uh, that day when we left the room, the only two people who really thought we were going to win the ACC championship were me and Kalen Sheridan. And then we played the next season and we came within a whisker of winning it. And then I had the same meaning again before the next spring. So now we only have two opportunities left. And I, and I went through the whole thing again. And that time when we left the room, everybody believed that we could do it. I was like, look how close we got. You know, the power of belief is so incredibly pow- powerful in athletics I mean, you ha- I have to use it it's from where I came from. I mean, Rick can tell you. And when what was I, Rick, when I showed up in college? Five foot five, 130 pounds, if that. I mean, I wasn't a physical specimen at all. Um, but then having Mike Berticelli, like, how do we beat Duke? Shoot, we came down here. And, I mean, that Clemson team that we played, Rick? That's the best college soccer team I ever played against. Yeah, they smoked us too. I mean, we, and we lost 2-0, and we thought that was yeah. pretty good.
1: Yeah. We didn't beat them. That's why no. we didn't.
2: <laughs> But All right, I got another question for you. Yeah. My last two questions. One, change gears a little bit. In your in – your, um, how many years now at Clemson? I've been here 10 seasons 10, now, 10 yeah. years. So how much has Dabo
0: Sweeney changed Clemson? Oh, wow. B- big time. Yep. And uh, this, is a, this is a good way I could put it because a lot of times uh, we're fortunate that we can recruit across the country nationally. But back when the early days, not too many people really were too familiar about where Clemson was. And that all changed during this decade. You know, uh, the brand being out there, the way that Dabo carries himself. I mean, not just Dabo, but him, he and his staff they really are a great group of people. Uh, they're, they're outstanding coaches, but it's they're great people. I mean, one of the things when I left UNCG that I was a little nervous about was like, wow, you know, Nelson had such a great camaraderie with the staff that you're a family, mm-hmm. and you leave your family behind. I was coming down, was like, I'm not really sure what's here. But it was really taken to another level. And uh, and I tell you what, I, you know what's funny? I would like, never been to a college football game in my life. So my first game ever was going to a Clemson game. And, and honestly, I haven't missed, I maybe missed one college football playoff because I love going to it. I feel like, you know, you're part of it. I want, I, I want to show Dabo and the staff their support and I'm an athlete still and competitor. I, I love watching them win. I, even though it's football, I'm always paying attention during warmups. Just can you pick up on something that we could add to, to our deal as coaches? Mm. So, uh, being, being a part of that ride, Matt has been extremely fun. Yeah. What's up. Let me ask you another question. Have you ever
2: uh, slid down the fireman's pole?
0: I have. Oh, okay.
2: Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. All right. My, uh, you got one, Chris, are you good? No, I'm good. I'm good. good. Okay. Eddie, uh, just last thing. And we always like to do this, but you know, give us, a, um, a, a, just a minute or so on, on Clemson and, and what it means to you and, and why it's such a special place.
0: Uh, this is the best way I can say it, say it. Like when I, when I was playing professionally, I'd run into teammates or have teammates or some of my national team teammates were from Clemson and God, they all kept talking about how great it was. And I'm looking, I'm going like, you guys, is there a cult or something going on? now? these people are really <laughs> off the wall. And now that I got here, actually with that within the first year or two, I realized why the place was very special it was similar to UNCG in regard to family atmosphere. Uh, you, know, cl- cl- you know, everyone thinks Clemson's a huge university. We have 20,000 students. You know, we're mid- mid-sized. Because of our football team, it's bigger in perception-wise. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, we have outstanding leadership from our president, Jim Clements, down to our athletic director, Dan Radakovich. These guys sincerely do care about the student-athlete experience. I know sometimes those are words. They sound good but there's more action plans in place to help the students to be here, to be successful and obviously to give us success as well with resources here at Clemson. Um, I've really enjoyed that. I really I, I'm excited for the fact that my daughter graduated from Clemson this past year, that she's got that degree. Chris, you'll like this. Cause you know, I took her around, we went up to new England to look at schools. We went to Jersey, Charleston, you know, UNCG, And then, you know, one day she's like, um, I was asking, her, say, hey, what do you think? And she goes, hey, dad, is it okay if I don't go to UNCG? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you don't have to go where I went. I think, what what do you, where are you thinking about going? She goes, I I think I want to go to Clemson. I'm like, oh, I thought she was going to say Charleston. Yeah. (laughs) And I only, I said, there's only one condition. I said, you're going to live on campus because it, it made sense for her to go because, she had only been there a few a few years. She grew up in Greensboro, right. so she was going to get that college experience. And during her time frame, you know, football won two national championships. We won an ACC championship. Mike Noonan's team won the ACC championship. You know, it was I was excited that she got this different type of college experience. Uh, and believe me, I wouldn't trade mine at UNCG for anything. But uh, she got that different one. And uh, I mean, honestly, I walk around here like these kids are spoiled. <laughs> with what they get. I mean, I'm sitting in our brand new building. I mean, this is, they just opened. It's like open the late September, you know, $7 million. I'm like, wow, I'm not in, uh, I'm not in Greensboro anymore. No um, it's different. But, it's a different world. Yeah. yeah. And playing in the ACC, Matt, obviously that is a, it's a great challenge. I know a lot of people, you know, I'm never afraid of a challenge. So I've enjoyed competing in the league and we get to play great teams like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the one part I really wanted to to enjoy myself of, of playing at the top level and trying to compete for a national championship. You know, I love the fact that I ended up in the Carolinas going to school. I, I've kind of stayed in the Carolinas during my work career. I love the Carolinas. To, it's a great place to raise a family. So I feel like, you know, the good Lord has taken pretty good care of me.
1: It's awesome. That's all well-deserved well, for sure. Yes, it's absolutely. All, but- a lot of hard work along the way and, and you, you deserve everything that, that you've gotten.
0: And Chris, Absolutely. I'll say this to you. I mean, you know, you know, you and I talk every so often, but I've always appreciated the moments when, you know, you, you've taken the time to get my call and, you know, that I could pick your brain and get some advice from your background. And, you know, you helped me in my UNCG days and you helped, you know, you gave me some great advice when the Clemson call came in and it's something that I'll never forget. So thank you for that.
1: Sure. Eddie, anytime.
0: Okay, Eddie, your time's up.
2: <laughs> no, certainly As very, Brian very Lee good is telling you,
0: like, if you leave Eddie on, look out, he'll just keep going. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. And, again, apologize for taking us so long, but you're a fantastic guest and nothing but the best of success there at Clemson uh, in, the, in the years to come, for sure.
0: Well, thanks. Hey, hey and congratulations, because I've listened to all the podcasts – I mean, you guys are really, have really had some great guests on. You know, you had Robbie mm. and Kikorian, and yeah. I told Chris the Shannon Box one was just phenomenal. Yeah, and uh, and how diversified the the guests that you brought in. I know. I well, the only other thing that makes it an above average show, it's Matt Mont. There it is. That's very true. <laughs>
1: above average. He tells us that all the time. Yes, absolutely. Time. Absolutely.
0: Thanks, Eddie. We really appreciate. Yeah, thanks it. Thanks a lot. Thanks Stay for too. having me on, guys. Take yeah. care. Yep. Yeah.
1: Okay, Matt.
2: What are we looking forward to this week? What do you got for me? Well, we are in game week, finally. woohoo! And But we had the same thing. I mean, we had snow. Our field, actually, it's Monday. Our field still, we had to play on the football practice field today. Um, as our field still got a little bit of snow. Well, I, so we haven't been out there. But we have, uh, we finally have a game this weekend. Uh, and we're taking on another but my good buddy, the picker. Right? We go against oh. Sanford. uh Miss versus Sanford. So um, Miss versus the picker. Ole versus the picker, but uh, no, I'm excited. We're, my team's ready to go. We're ready. We've been back in it now. We're ready to play. Uh, it's time to get this going, and now we have uh, you know about eight straight weeks of, of games, so it's fun to get in that mode of starting to, you know, scouting reports and watch games and stuff, so happy to be back. The weather, we got the same thing. 60 degrees today. is beautiful out. We're, we're ready to start some spring soccer. Oh, great. About there, you? Are some,
1: there are some exciting games, I think, this, this week is uh-huh. through, you know. In the big 10 the one that stood out to me most was ohio state and wisconsin those are two pretty good teams and yep teams that are you know going to battle for for the top of that league or you know at worst for for ncaa bids and uh arizona and ucla was another one I, I think arizona's been a team that's you know been been in the ncaa tournament the last couple of years and absolutely big athletic you know they tough to play against and and all the talent ucla has and then this one really kind of caught my eye a little bit, and uh, maybe it's nostalgia, but uh, Portland and Santa Clara. Uh huh. That was there was a day when that would be the biggest game of the year. Yeah, uh, sure. When those teams played, if you remember back to, you know, uh, the days of um, Shannon McMillan and and Tiffany Milbritt and Allie Wagner playing for sure. for Santa Clara. So, Clive Charles. I mean, yeah, certainly Clive and so Jerry or, or, Jerry, you know, yeah. Uh, then yep. yeah, Jerry, one of the one of the best coaches we've had, and Clive, passed uh, mm-hmm. but was one of the most engaging people you know you'll, you'll ever deal with, and a, and a fantastic coach. So that one that one jumped out at me a little bit. So it looks like there's you know a lot more games um, mm-hmm. and better games. You know I, I think absolutely all, you know there were some games that maybe the you know the top teams weren't playing the best teams, but we're starting to see some of those games come together now.
2: Yeah, now that you got conference and conference, those are all conference games, right? Ohio yeah. State, Wisconsin, and and Arizona, UCLA. Those are those are really exciting games. And in uh, and Portland, Santa Clara are conference games, right? Sure. WCC. Sure. So yeah. great. All right. Uh, I didn't tease it at the beginning. I apologize. Uh, our 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 Power Five this week is, uh, is it fits with the way they show something like yeah it fits. So we're going cartoon characters. So should <laughs> oh, we God. clarify a little bit here? Yeah, I gotta, clarify. <laughs> we got to clarify. clarify. Uh, well, because you cheat, so I have to <laughs> clarify. So these are actual characters, not necessarily cartoon shows. Correct characters, right? Characters. Yeah. Yes, they could be characters. Cartoon on- characters. Yes. 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 Okay. So, All right. Well, let's get through this because I know we're we're running uh, we're running uh, we're running long this time. So I will say this: this is not one of my lists. But I started laughing today as I was putting my list together. I thought, well, oh, I like Eeyore and I thought, boy, that's been Chris this week. He's been Eeyore. Oh, no water. Oh, no power. Oh, God, Matt, we got COVID. He has been straight Eeyore. But anyway, let's go. I'm going first this time. All right, go ahead. My number five, you ready? Yep. Roadrunner. The Roadrunner. Okay. Fast guy. Always chasing the coyotes, always trying to get him. Can't get him. Yeah, a lot of these a lot of these I pick because they remind me of myself. Yeah, I know my speed. I don't, see, I had is I don't see that, but <laughs> <laughs> Wiley Coyote. You know what is? You know what the Road name is, Chris? Do you know that little fun fact? Go ahead. His name is Beep Beep. Uh, <laughs> honest to God. <laughs> All right, you're number five. row Scooby Doo. Oh, Scooby Doo. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I'm okay with Scooby Doo. I didn't love the show. I, I got to be honest with you. I didn't love it. But Scooby's a good good
1: character. Scooby's a
2: good character. Scooby's a good character. All right, my number one. This one, again, a lot of these remind me of myself. Number four, sorry. Number four. A lot of these remind me of myself. My number four, Fred Flintstones. Yabba-dabba-doo, right? He's got the big steak, big tomahawk steak. (laughs) Fred Flintstone. I love Fred Flintstone. I'm liking (laughs) this one. I'm liking this one. (laughs) (laughs) Fred Flintstone. There you go. What you got? My number four, Yosemite Sam. Oh, I do like him. Oh, I do yeah. Like that was a good one. I, I kind of forgot about him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, That's a good one, Chris. Yeah. Again, we're showing our age a little bit. All the younger people I, yeah, are. Yeah, younger are. <laughs> all right. My number three. Yeah. Pretty, pretty popular one. Snoopy. Oh no! Whoa, really? Charlie Brown, Snoopy? Again, thinking about myself, Snoopy was cool. That's no. he's cool. No, you he don't he's like bored. Snoopy. Oh, no. surprised. No, okay. Not funny. Like uh, you know. He's cool. Cool. Like me. Cool. Fast, Fred Flintstone, and cool like Snoopy. So far, that's me. Okay, next one. year number three. Well, I think this is the better
1: character on the road run. It's Wiley Coyote. Super genius.
2: No, he got his butt kicked all the time. He was funny. Wiley Coyote was funny. Voters, okay. Voters. Okay. voters, who won we'll that? Who won we'll those other? He can never catch him. I know, that was the thing
1: about it. And he always had like the Acme, you know, gadget. You know, he reminds me of you. He kid too.
2: Because he, had, he like, had all the gadgets and things like that. You know, you like the, the gadgets, right? But, but you like Eddie used to say, I'm a winner. Like the road winner. I was like, Eddie, you know, Eddie liked to win everything. Eddie was competitive, right? Me, road winner, never got caught. Too yeah. fast, beep, beep. Yeah. All right, here we go. Number two, this is a little nostalgia for me. It's really important one, Mickey Mouse. Oh my God, <laughs> he's got he's got huge amusement parks named after him. He's the main attraction. Did you watch Mickey the mouse. Mickey Mouse show? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, love the musketeers and all that. Yes, of course, Mickey Mouse. How can how can you diss on Mickey Mouse? If no Mickey Mouse, Chris, no ESPN. Ever heard of it? Oh. Think of all the things that Mickey Mouse the mouse touches, Chris.
0: No. powerful.
2: You're going right. to really hate my last one then, probably. All right, you're number two, Daffy Duck. Oh. He's he's like he's like uh, Mickey's little idiot, <laughs> idiot idiot buddy. You're laughing thinking about it. You're laughing, right? <laughs> you're thinking about Daffy Duck and you laugh. Oh, voters, this has got to be mine. Chris is throwing this, I think. He's got Mickey Mouse's idiot buddy, <laughs> Daffy Dunk, and the way he talks. Okay, and I make, I'm not making fun of the way he talks. I mean, that, he's got speech impediment. I feel bad for him, right? But <laughs> anyway, all right. My last one. My last one. If there's ever a cartoon character that I kind of fashion myself, Fred Flintstone's very close, number two, but this is number one, Mufasa. From the Lion King. Whoa. Badass lion. Oh God, Matt. You... What are you talking about? Mufasa is like the greatest, toughest character in all of the cartoons. He's the king of the jungle. He he was in one movie.
1: <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Darren. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. The so... best cartoon character ever. You uh-huh. watch cartoon cartoons to entertain, to laugh, Right. The best cartoon to move character it. ever is Bugs Bunny. By far, not even close. Hands down, you guys, are, you
2: guys are showing your age. Showing your age. Bugs Bunny when Bugs Bunny plays baseball. <laughs> I, how, I mean, that's <laughs> that was good. good. No, I, I, I He kind of annoyed me at times. Though. I got to be honest. He's a bit much. He's no. a bit much. So you know what? One of my uh, one of my armor mentions was Tom and Jerry. I thought you'd have that on there.
1: Yeah, I thought Tom about or Jerry it a little bit, but.
2: Yeah. No. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Know, what I, you know, about kind of
1: Super- said Popeye as a, as a,
2: type. Yeah, I said Popeye too and What about Super Friends? No one had any Super Friends. Yeah. Ah, Darren likes that. I, I, I kind of like Super Friends, but anyway, okay. Let's, right. uh, those are good on voters. Good luck with that one. Let's, let's run about real quick, Chris. Uh, first of all, Eeyore reminded me of Chris, but that's not on my voting. Uh, Roadrunner for me, Fred Flintstone, Snoopy, Mickey Mouse, and Mufasa. Okay, I've got Scooby-Doo,
1: Yosemite Sam, Wiley Coyote, Daffy Duck, who Matt made fun of about his speech impediment.
2: <laughs> funny. Yeah. All, right. all right. Hey, I've changed it. We had Matt's coaches cliches. Now I'm going Matt's TV series recommendations. Oh. I'm going to change it a little bit. So, oh,
1: okay.
2: I won funny, one serious, right? So. Those of you, this again will date myself a little bit, but the younger listeners should certainly tune in. Go to Hulu if you have Hulu. Pull on Cheers,
1: great you. show from
2: back in the day. Yeah, great, it was awesome. I right? love Cheers, man, Sammy, Sammy and the boys. Uh, yep. And
1: what was the name of the? Was it Jerry's the bar that they would always like have this
2: rivalry uh, against? No, uh, what is it, then? Hometown. What is it? It's uh, hold on, t- t- hometown tavern. What is the name of it? Oh, that's terrible. Uh, I got it around to my tongue anyway. Uh, I don't have it Jerry, uh, no Gary's Gary's Hardytown Tavern Gary's, yes. Yes. boom nailed it see my wife thinks I need memory pills not with that, that brought that right <laughs> up alright and then the serious one again my all time favorite series and I'll do some of these each week but this is number one for me The Wire on HBO yeah really good fantastic really. series um, yeah. but I'm going to have uh, our producer help me Sopranos, on Sopranos. but it's, it's pretty good it's right there with Sopranos for me yeah. but it's better alright uh, let's take the show out. Chris, this has been a long one, but certainly a fun one. We're glad to be back. I've been looking forward to this really knowing we're coming back on the last couple of days. Cause I missed it. It was, uh, it's been a, it's been a bummer not being around, but we're back at it better mm-hmm. than ever. Thank you everybody for listening. Please download us, give us a five-star review. Um, you can check us out, get us emails if you want to recommend some of them shows for me to, to mention, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, so email me with that again, listen to us. We appreciate it. Tell your friends, Chris, Good luck um, at training, I guess, Yes, and, uh, <laughs> and we'll see you next Monday. College, right. so- College Soccer Nation, out.
1: If you have questions for Coach Petricelli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetricelli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend.